0: I feel good. I'll just start us off.
1: All right. Hello. Saucy this morning. Hello. <laughs> I'd like to stop you. Welcome. You're well, welcome. <laughs> welcome to Crisis of Faith with Joe and Drew. We're so glad that you are joining us today. Whenever, wherever, however you're listening. Um it's going to be a fun conversation, as you can tell. Jew Joe is, uh, Jew is uh, the combination of our names, as it turns out. Oh yeah, that would like, be like our like celebrity couple name,
0: Brangelina or whatever. Yeah, we is that would, what it is? We would be Jew. Jew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's really the only option because you can't do DRO. Well, you can do DRO, but DRO's not. That's weird. It doesn't come out right. Like you don't usually. I don't think. I don't think there's a single word. In the English dictionary, prove me wrong, Christians, that starts with a dr and then a long o sound. Drone. Drone. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> we each came up with one immediately. Uh, all right. Well, today we're going to talk about Jesus Christ um, and some of the things that he had to say and what we should do with those things. But first, let's roll out a little Jesus. Uh, theme song. I'll just play some worship music probably here. Yeah. There's plenty of those. <laughs> right And then we'll come back and uh, get into this convo.
2: Pritcher is Jesus a white guy and does he really hate everyone who is gay? Does he turn up his nose before he bombs all his foes? Is he a member of the NRA? Breacher, does Jesus really care if the poor can't find enough scraps? But does he say, suck it up, son, look at how good I've done by just pulling on my designer bootstraps?
1: Hey. Hey, everybody. How are you? Hope you're doing really well. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing great. What's in the mug? Getting my
0: shot today.
1: Oh, yeah. Second
0: one. Number two. Moderna. Number two?
1: I passed my... Yeah. Uh, my um, I don't know. My my precipice yesterday. Yesterday was two weeks after my second shot, so
0: uh, when I
1: licked everything and everyone I saw yesterday. <laughs> That's good. I'm That's good. Important. I'm in the clear. I can. I can't be touched. I'm invincible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh when the Chrysistians hear this, I will be.
1: You'll be totally inoculated. I'll be fully vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. So look out, when you hear this, if Joe knows where you are, he might come licking. Uh, So I did a little traveling this past week. Um, We have a brand new niece, my first niece ever, um, was born two and a half weeks ago or so, and we hadn't been down to visit, so we went to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and guess what? It's still pretty much the way it always was. Oh, man. Sweet, sweet people uh, who also lots of people who really
0: love the Lord.
1: They can't pick a winner. That's not the direction I was going (laughs) to (laughs) go. Confederate flags and Trump flags flying everywhere down there. (laughs) They got a penchant for losing. Um, I wish I had taken a picture. I I drove by like, I mean, there was one. uh, My wife took a picture of it for me. I'll probably, I'll put it out on social media or something. There were two of them. She got a picture of one bumper stick. It wasn't a bumper stick, it was like a, it was an, an 18-wheeler, you know, big truck, and on the side of one of them, it said, uh, something like the the whole side, you know what I'm talking like the, the whole side of it, like a billboard. A I'm yeah, familiar with the concept an of side. 80, an 80-mile-an-hour 80 <laughs> billboard, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that said, um, if you died today, do you know where you would go? Confess Jesus is Lord. And I just, like, I don't know. All of this stuff is hitting me so differently than it ever did before, but now I'm just, like, we got truck drivers with 80-mile-an-hour billboards saying, you disagree with me, you can go to hell. Like, <laughs> it was <laughs> it was so weird for me. Uh Anyways, uh, I'm gonna go stuff a sock in a banjo real quick. Not a euphemism. That's a 100. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm gonna step right (laughs) off screen, stuff a sock in this banjo because it keeps ringing out uh, as I'm talking here. If you got anything you want to share, I'd like to hear about whether or not you ever had a baby Bjorn.
0: Baby Bjorn. Because I
1: recently had a fun little experience with a target at at Target with a baby Bjorn.
0: I I. I don't know what this is. You definitely did. What's a bjorn? By, I can tell by
1: looking at you. You had a baby bjorn. It's <laughs> it's where you wrap your kid up in a Sounds scarf and Swedish.
0: tie them to your body. It is. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I've done that. Of course you have. <laughs> Hold on, I'm stuffing a sock in a banjo.
1: <laughs> um, I was at Target the other day. And we'll get into the episode because nobody wants to hear this for too long. But I was at Target and um, I saw this guy wearing his child in a baby Bjorn, right? Yeah. Tied to his body with this like Bjorn sure. scarf, and he was purchasing two more baby Bjorns. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked. This is not even like that. <laughs> so. That's good enough, right? That's that's the whole joke. Uh, yeah. just, but I looked at him and I was like. Good morning. PJ, is that his name? <laughs> uh, TK. TK. Good <laughs> TK. Morning. Yeah. Good morning, TK. Um, but I looked at him, I, I promise you I did this, and I was like, "Those things any good?" <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't get it. He didn't play along at all. He was just like He was just like, "I didn't just buy your stuff." dude get out like he didn't he didn't answer yes he likes them he didn't answer like oh yeah we're pretty big fans um but you did you did baby bjorn
0: yeah i bjorned
1: i did it one time I
0: bjorned some babies
1: around the house um just i don't know why because megan really wanted to convince me that that was a better way and i felt so weird i just couldn't it's, do it anymore it's
0: real sweaty i'd rather drop my baby <laughs> <laughs> I prefer, you know, they they make the baby backpacks. Yeah, that's all right. I don't mind. Oh, that.
1: AKA backpack. I mean, if the baby's small <laughs> enough.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> just make sure you leave their head out of the zipper.
0: Well, you know, they make specialty baby backpacks with like leg holes for them. Yeah. Uh, works great. The the scarf thing is just like it's real sweaty. Yeah the bjorn
1: that's the thing that's the thing about the bjorn tell that to the guy at target that you got a problem with it um all right well that's all that's uh all the silly stuff i had to talk about i did also on the these were all like you know recent travels of mine um to the american south uh you know i also stopped at a gas station at one point and to get a bag of peanut butter m M&M, m or peanut m ms not peanut butter yuck uh peanut m&ms right um and uh they only had king size which is a funny little thing about the south anyways i guess like you could only <laughs> buy them in the 600 calorie per bag thing <laughs> and they it was $2.50 for one uh and so i walked up to the counter and they also had like a a big stand of peanut m&ms at the counter and i'm like i'll just take one of these and she's like you know, one is two fifty, two is four dollars. Like that's a lot of M that's twelve hundred calories of MMs. <laughs> I was like, okay, but I'll do it. And then she literally you know the phrase tongue in cheek, like, you know, it's yeah. it's meant to elicit this this look in our in our minds, right? The right <laughs> like stick she literally like stuck her tongue in the side of her cheek as I grabbed the second one and put it down on the counter and she was like You buy two, the third one's free <laughs> it was a, it was really really special um, <laughs> so i walked out of there with 1800 calories of peanut m&ms and i ate all i noticed of them. you were looking a little pudgy by the time i got back i had eaten all of
0: them um, yep the listener can't see that so that's you what can South did for me. <clears throat> do some setups before that's you know, <laughs> yeah i'm going to i'm going to clean up video my video act
1: before then uh yeah Joe. what's on your mind that's That's what's going on for me. You hear the difference between the theologian and the <laughs> <laughs> musician
0: <laughs> well i don't <laughs> I don't have any good stories today i I do have some <laughs> some theology things that I want to be grumpy about a little bit If we're ready i mean are we are we still um i'm ready shitty chatting chatter battering or are we? No, we're, we're doing theology now.
1: We're ready to go. I want to hear what you're what you're so frustrated about.
0: Well, I'm just feeling a little bitchy, I think.
1: Is this something that you have... Uh, is this why you've always been this way that you are? Are you about to tell <laughs> us <Yeah. laughs> the reason for your whole, like, this thing? <laughs> this... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever this is.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, this is about all of our, our recent podcasts. I feel... Um, I've been thinking about them cause we do them. Yeah. You know, and then,
1: yeah, then I, I have some thoughts them. on them too. So I want to hear what's, what's on your, well, mind.
0: after the thing is we should probably think about what we're going to say before we say it, then it, you know, might come out better, but I normally just say it and then think about it for weeks after. Okay. So, so, but now I've been, I've been on, you know, cause we had, um, a couple of weeks we interviewed, um, Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove. And before that, uh, Ron Sider, both of these guys are connected to my alma mater, Eastern University. It was where i where I did my undergrad. And
1: for the for the uninitiated, <coughs> alma mater means alternate mother. I think it means loving mother. <laughs> does it? it does I, I was just I was literally making that up. Does it actually mean something <laughs> like mother? Modern yeah, means mother. It, it means loving mother. Oh,
0: nice! Didn't you? Didn't you take Latin with?
1: I, I did. I took three semesters. That's what I thought. Yeah. And uh, did you do pretty well? Because I'm guessing I did approximately that well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We sat Seems next great. to each other, and yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 I did. I did about like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they they're they're connected eastern i mean jonathan wilson hartgrove is only connected in that he was a student 30 years ago or whatever um but then ron sider teaches at the at the seminary connected there and like i i loved the place honestly i i thought it was great um there there was a an article that i saw actually i think i think i saw this um i think jonathan hartgrove had posted this uh in Christianity today or something about Eastern University is the laboratory for the evangelical left. Um which I thought was funny. Interesting. <clears throat> but probably accurate. Like probably huh. fair enough. Um and it just got me it's got me thinking I hadn't talked to these guys or thought about these these guys for a long time. Um and I loved that place and really, it it started my this like crisis of faith journey. Um, yeah, because these guys, you know, if you listen to those interviews, you'll you'll hear this. They were the ones who said, "Hey, go back and read the Bible." Right. <laughs> actually, it turns out that stuff about God and country, like this Christian nationalism stuff, is not in there, and actually. God's way more concerned about the poor than about whether you cuss or, you know, yeah, get to third base with your girlfriend or whatever. Yeah,
1: which I, I, I text, I hope I don't like jump ahead of anything that you have to say, but I did text you the other day that I was thinking exactly, you had sent me something about um, an article about Christian nationalism or something, and it just occurred to me as I was reading it that that phrase, that term, should be the most incendiary, infuriating (laughs) phrase that any Christian could ever possibly hear. Like, we hear Christian nationalism and we say, oh yeah, I know what you mean by that. What we should be saying is, holy shit, what are you talking about? Christian (laughs) nationalism? These two things are 100% mutually exclusive. They are contradicting terms, like like we get more offended to hear someone say god damn it than we do to hear them say christian nationalism and that is a problem right that is a massive massive problem because christian nationalism should make every actual christian's ears jump off of their head and say wait 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 wait! i'm i'm sorry i don't want to i hate to be this guy but you can't say things like that around me <laughs> like that's <laughs> the
0: go ahead wait, sidebar Sidebar to your sidebar, (laughs) people who really don't like to hear the word God damn it do want God to damn lots of things. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: know. I love that. I love that phrase. I used to remember, like, that was the the curse that just, like, couldn't ever happened? I didn't know the word fuck existed until I was like way grown up so I didn't know yeah, about that when right. we weren't watching r-rated movies but we did hear god damn it from time to time and there was I remember pretty early on in my life thinking like well who else is doing the damning like that's just <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just like title and job description
0: that's <laughs> I mean One I guess maybe god dammer would be a in little my more yeah that would be the job them. description God damn it is telling God to do God's job. Yeah, it's a prayer. God damn it is a prayer, (laughs) a prayer for God to send someone to hell. Yeah. (laughs) One time, my uh, in my Southern Baptist church, growing up, I remember this. Like uh, obviously, it's burned into my memory. The pastor said that from the pulpit. Yeah. He was preaching a sermon on uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. Right. You shouldn't do it. And he said, and it's not just saying God damn it either. Interesting. It's also saying God or oh my God. <laughs> That's, okay. That was the point. But he didn't bring but up Christian then, nationalism then. He
1: didn't no. say, you know what really taking God's name in vain is? <laughs> Christian nationalism.
0: <laughs> no. Not no, being offended when you hear the phrase
1: the Christian nationalism. That is taking the name of God in vain. That is letting you know how much in vain the name of God has truly been taken.
0: <laughs> Anyhow. So, yeah, back to so, my we're three <clears> layers
1: <throat> deep we're in inception territory, we're way so yeah we're way in let me let me go back back to the surface.
0: eastern university evangelical left yeah uh, i'm talking about tony campolo jonathan wilson hartgrove shane claiborne uh jim wallace who's not connected with eastern necessarily but all those other people are ron sider like this whole crew right they these people really informed my faith journey they like, they sent me back to the Bible and back to Jesus, and I'm super excited about it. But I didn't... I got real, like, ugh when we started getting back into them. Because it's like, um, you know, they're just lines that they won't cross. Like, I was reading something recently about Shane Claiborne. I mentioned Shane Claiborne to a friend of mine who's trans and queer, and he was like, ugh uh because he just will consistently skirt the question of affirming yeah LGBTQ folks like he'll if you ask him about it he'll say <clears throat> uh isn't it a shame that Christians are known for what they're against instead of what they're for and that's true but also, are we like? Can we just say no? We're four. Yeah, <laughs> we're four yeah, people. Yeah, that's true.
1: I've heard that um, phrase. I've used that phrase, you know, back when I was an evangelist. If I'm not anymore, I don't know. But I would use yeah. that. I would like. Well, why do we have to talk about what we're against and and not realize like that's your that's you
0: saying this is what I'm against, against. these people? Can we not talk about <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know. It's just been it's a, been an interesting experience for me to remember some of the stuff that was really that I had only seen as good and informative and like like formative for me, yeah. shaping me, sending me back to Jesus, back to the sources and, and uh, really opening up my understanding of the world and now going oh, okay, but there's some problems there too. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, my deconstruction journey or whatever, I'm, I'm gonna also bitch about that word in a minute, um, has gone... Just in a, in a different way than that evangelical left, and I'm feeling frustrated with them now.
1: Yeah, well, and I, I'll say this as a this is the only way that I'm able to still carry the title a little bit Christian, even evangelical, whatever. Actually, I got no problem with the wrong with the the title Christian. Uh, I only have a problem with everybody else using it. Uh. <laughs> um, I think I'm a Christian. Uh, I have a problem with a lot of other people who also think they're a Christian. Uh, we'll talk about that more today. Um, but I will say a word of encouragement about this, or a word of like, maybe a word of hope about this, that it feel if it feels a little bit like people like Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove and uh, Shane Claiborne in particular for me, like he was just a little more front and center for me, are peers um, to us in this sort of evangelical revolution that's happening. Uh, the reality is, they're a lot older than us, um, and that they may have gone. Yes, they are. They were basically rejected by evangelicalism at large for the past twenty years or so because of the major leaps that they did take. Um, there are other leaps that they didn't. They didn't go all the way, Um, and that's frustrating, and that's difficult, but I'm also kind of like hopeful about us being in tension with that and saying, no, we actually think it was good that you flipped some of the stuff. We actually think it was really good that you raged against the machine in the ways that you did. We're a little frustrated (coughs) in the ways that you didn't rage against the machine, but I almost wonder if now we're like in this camp of progressive Christianity, you know, progressive – not conservative, like I just – again – all all these words they're they're so um i don't know if triggering is the right word for me but it's like why would anybody want to be considered conservative christian (laughs) like what would you conserve what conserve slavery conserve like no women's rights conserve the way we used to like murder people for not being christian or the ways that we continue to murder people after they're dead for not being christian um (laughs) like conserve what no we should be progressing we should be moving forward but anyways we're in this camp of progressive christianity and we're kind of saying like why did you stop progressing there and to me that's i don't know that that's a cause for hope to really look and say well you know shane claiborne isn't going to be the voice of the next 20 years of progressive christianity um probably even like a rob bell isn't going to be they need new there need to be new voices I'm not saying it's us. I think it's more generational. I think it's more of like a whole lot of people are gonna say, "Well, instead of us dancing around questions like, let's stop talking about what we're against and let's talk about what we're for. Why don't we address the inherent issues in even that that we are against anything, anyone? What what is that? What does that have to say about us that we're against some?" Swaths of people was Jesus really? Is
0: that Christian? Anyways, I've interrupted.
1: Yeah, that no, that's times that's there. great.
0: That actually, I think, is a good transition to what the next thing I wanted to bitch about, which is that right before that, those interviews with, uh, with Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove and Ron Sider, both of whom I should just say I respect tremendously. Oh I mean, yeah, I think just incredible. Um, wise people, <clears throat> as well as Shane Claiborne, Tony Campolo. If we had a platform, Jim we'd Moss want those people guys. on it. Absolutely, know? yeah. <laughs> Tremendous respect. I'm just feeling a little <laughs> bit a of. Joke, um, Joe,
1: we we did. We had him on. We have a
0: platform. Oh, we, we had him on. I gotcha. yeah.
1: We want those people to have a voice.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Super important. Um, and I'm just feeling a little bit of like weird, uh, exploring some of my history that I didn't realize was like oh. You know, I had only had these really um, pleasant experiences, and now I'm going back and going, okay, there's a little bit more complicated stuff there than, yeah. I, than I realized. Yeah. Anyhow, um, but you're talking about sort of this this generation of, you know, before before the those two interviews, we did a series of talks about like. What we were calling crisis of faith, but like what in a larger community is being called deconstruction, deconstruction and reconstruction of faith. Yep. Right. Sort of looking at your faith and and peeling it apart, which is, of course, the process that Christians have been in since. Christianity was a thing. Right. It's just we're now naming it this and we've taken the name from, you know, whatever, philosophical schools and and so. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like the name um, I have said this before but now having had those conversations and thought about it for several weeks um, I understand what it is what I don't like about it and I think that what the thing that's bothering me about the whole um, the whole notion of deconstruction or deconversion or whatever you want to call it uh, is that it's negative negative yeah negative in the sense of it's like okay well we're you know th- this this whole church thing that was a thing that we did and now maybe we're uncomfortable with it maybe we want to leave maybe we want to stay and change it but whatever like we want we just want it to be different uh, we're no longer about that and you know the Bible thing we kind of want to maybe we want to give give that up or maybe we want to peel away from it or whatever you know it's kind of this This negative and reactionary moment. And instead, what I think is really true, what's really happening, you know, um Phyllis Tickle, the (laughs) historian with a great name. Um (laughs) said she says like every five hundred years or so, you get a major revolution in Christianity. It's just the way it works. Um and the last big major revolution we had in Christianity was about 500 years ago yeah. in the Reformation, um, you know, the Protestant Reformation. And I instead of saying, OK, now we're rethinking whether we're Christian. I think what this generation is doing is reforming. Yeah. Right? we're we're. We're saying whatever this thing—and maybe we don't want to call it Christian anymore, and that's fine. I'm not saying that anybody—I'm not I'm not trying to take anybody's deconstruction story and say, no, no, you're actually still in the fold or whatever. Right. I mean, if you want to leave the fold, leave the fold. It's like, fine with me. What I'm saying is Christianity itself will look different because of of this, and it's not a leaving as much as it is a remaking and renewing.
1: Yeah. Well, I've you wondered. Know. So if, maybe instead
0: of deconstruction, we need to talk about migration. That's, yeah. that's Brian McLaren's word.
1: Or I have another word uh, repentance. Like, it, it is it is problematic to repentance. me. Repentance. Yeah, it is problematic like to me that the word deconstruction has a negative connotation. It's like those are people who are deciding not to be Christians because they're repenting. No, this is what it is to be Christian, is to repent. Is to every once in a yeah. while regret what you believed before, yeah. reform what you believed before,
0: migrate. I like from that. What you, we have in the in the 1500s we had the Great Reformation. Now we have the Great Repentance. Let's yeah. Let's coin that phrase. All right, we just That's did. What
1: we're in. I mean, I think that it really. I'm writing it down just so I can keep referencing that idea. I can't help but think that's that's a big part. I, you know, I'm I'm writing something. I'm a little hesitant to say this because um, I guess it puts me on the hook with at least a few people, uh, the Christians out there. I, well, I'll say this. I don't know if it's for anybody but me. Um, I think I've shared with you before. I've kind of been a journaler in life. Like I do process emotion and thoughts and things by kind of writing things down a lot. And for the past several years uh just because this is the kind of hippie that I am. I write a lot of songs um to to process through things and I recently discovered that I had probably five or six songs um that were, you know, part of they're just exvangelical kinds of tunes. Like they were just these things that I was processing through um what it's like to believe certain things all your life. And then to start revisiting them and to consider whether you need to repent of some of them. And and um, and some of it I'm writing, you know, kind of back to the community that hasn't repented yet, that hasn't left things that really should be left. Um, And some of it's writing, you know, to myself and. And uh, and I'm starting to see it sort of form as like a project that I really have my. That has its hooks in me a little bit and has me thinking like. No, you do need to process this for other people. Like, everybody kind of needs to process this stuff for other people. <laughs> like, we need to be thinking, does does the community at large need me to say something? Um, and the answer is probably yes. Like, I think that's what I'm... Because I've been kind of secretive about my, my walk through this here recently. I, I've been... Yeah, I was processing it for one thing. It was like, Well let's not let's not get halfway down a road and then decide to burn all the bridges behind us, um, before determining whether this is even really the right road that we want to be on. Um, but now I'm getting, you know, it's the same thing as the vaccine thing, where it's like the CDC is saying, please get a vaccine and then post a selfie of yourself uh, after you get it or what. I don't know if that's the CDC, but I feel like there are a lot of government officials and politicians and doctors and they're like, get your vaccine and post a selfie of the fact that you just got it. Like, make some kind of stand and some kind of statement and. Um, hold and up I'm, your V card. Hold up your V card. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. <laughs> I, I Every joke I have for that is is no bueno. Um <laughs> But anyways, I'm I'm writing and, and one of the things I I was all that <clears throat> all that rant kinda comes back around to this whole project started with me um writing a little song that had a the first line of a chorus was something like, uh so it's always impossible for me to remember any words without holding a guitar. Um do you do you never feel ashamed of who you used to be. Like hmm. it was just that that question, like wait a second, do you never feel any like because in the grand scheme of things it feels like most of my life has been about preserving and conserving something in the past, like if we could just get back to the way things were and or get back to the way we used to be or whatever and yeah. And it's a it's a weird question to me. It's like wait a second, are you not trying to change? I, it came up a lot in 2016 when, you know, um, I feel like it was Trump who was basically saying, like, um, that he never asks for forgiveness. And um, and one of the things that was being touted as, like, a reason to vote for Donald Trump or a reason to be in support of this is um, he's just always been the same. He's just always been exactly the same person, always been fighting for the same stuff, all, always had the same opinions about everything. And I'm like, is that good? That means you're not learning. That means you're not growing. That means if if you're looking around and you're like, nobody I even know ever even disagrees with me, I'm like, well, I bet you're a peach to be around. Because <laughs> uh, A, they're afraid to tell you they disagree, or B, you have officially surrounded yourself completely with people who already agree, and you have no reason to repent or change or grow or develop or, you know, come up with any narrative that involves you maybe not being right about everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've changed is a, is it's a thrown as an accusation yeah. at people a lot. You've like, changed. God, I hope so. right I've changed. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well. Anyhow, talk about Jesus. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. What time's that vaccine? How long you got? You got time?
0: Uh, yeah, I got, a, I, I got some time. All right. So we, we're, we're kind of starting this, I guess it's going to be like a long, I mean, maybe it's just where the podcast is going. I don't know. I think we're planning kind of a long uh, sort of meandering our way through the teachings of Jesus yep. in some ways. And part of that is, uh, well, to me, there are two things that we've said over and over and over again in the podcast that really converge here. And one of those things is, I feel like you in particular, Drew are always like hammering this about, you know, you don't have to be a Christian or whatever, but if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to take that label, then what that has to mean is that you follow the things that Jesus talked about and was, was about, (laughs) right. Um, And I don't know that we've, you know, we've done a lot of deconstructing or repenting or whatever you want to call it on this, you know, we've taken apart a lot of things, but we haven't sort of systematically said, all right, well, what is it that Jesus was about? Yeah. I don't, I've not done that for myself. I mean, obviously I've spent a lot of time with like my whole life thinking about the teachings of Jesus, but like, I don't know that I've ever sort of tried to systematically say, well, what is it that Jesus taught about?
1: Yeah, well, when you start to do this, and I'm sure we're going to discover it, when you start to do this, you start to realize that, like, even even the things that I think I want people to hear at the start of this, I, I realize I'm going to discover, is like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, Jesus didn't actually say that. Yeah. He wasn't actually I'm- about that. Um, I intend
0: to be surprised yeah. <laughs> in this, in this series. Like I really, I'm, I'm excited about the learning opportunity and the sh- like shaping and growing opportunity here Yeah, because I've not done this. I haven't taken the time Yeah, to like just focus on what are these words of Jesus about? Yeah. And so let, let me say a
1: little something to that first point. I don't, um, if you're going to be a christian that needs to that needs to mean something um, i i wonder how welcome and uh, this is just going to sound like a buzzy you know shock jock kind of thing to say i uh, i just mean it 100% sincerely and i would challenge our Listeners to to just think about this, just you know press pause if you need to, and just think about it for a second. Try to remember anything that you have of Jesus any any verse, any whatever um, that's not about hell because he wasn't talking about hell whenever he said that stuff. Um, and picture any preacher you know saying that. On social media, in their own words, <laughs> like picture Jesus, you know, or picture a, a a preacher, you know, some white wealthy, whatever Cadillac driving, posting, you know, the first thing Jesus ever said uh, or ever recorded in in Matthew is, "Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Picture them saying. Love your enemies. And leaving it at that. Not not explaining away what was meant by that. Blessed are those who persecute you. you. Just leave it at that. Hey, somebody persecutes you today. Somebody, you know, tells you you should eat fried chicken on Sundays as well as every other day of the week. You, whatever. Wishes you happy holidays. <laughs> Wishes you happy holidays. Sons of bitches. Bless them. Just picture, and and again, like I said, I'm not trying to just be shocky here, I'm saying we do have at the in, in the front of all of our minds, we have a Christianity a church, a pastorate, whatever that we can't really picture carrying out the teachings of Christ we can't really picture them saying the the core, and maybe we'll discover they're not the core, but I think we're going to discover that that a couple of those things I just said, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, are the core teachings of this Christ. So, w- love your enemies, what's the gun for? Love your enemies, what? Wait a second. Christian nationalism? Like, love your enemies. Wait a second. Somebody wants to vote for a different candidate than I do I just think there's something obvious at the start of this that what is called Christian doesn't have very much to do with Christ yeah that's what I mean whenever I say if you call yourself a Christian it should mean something kind of objective like it should be it, it should have like a set of things that are necessary and I'm not sure that those things that are necessary are very present in the church, which is not to say
0: that the teachings of Jesus are without like need for interpretation need to like, we're going to have to think about what this stuff means, Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's opposite. (laughs) Right. Like there, there are some sort of boundaries around what it means. You know, it, it means you have to pay attention to this. Even if you come to like, you can come to a slightly different conclusion about what it means than we do. Yeah. Um, you also don't have, like you you don't have to you can you can think and i i mean there are a couple of things that Jesus says that I think if I understand what it means correctly, I'm like i don't know Jesus, yeah I don't know. um and so and that's fine, you can do that you don't have to you don't have to believe any of it, you don't have to, in other words, be a Christian, that's fine, like nobody here is is bothered by that, yeah but the other thing that, so that's the first thing that we keep that we're always on about in the podcast is you don't have to be a Christian. Or I mean, if you're going to be a Christian, then this is what it has to be about. But on the flip side of that coin, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not committed to, um, the church and you're not committed to whatever, maybe you're not committed to Jesus as a figure or whatever. Um, you might still find a lot of this stuff compelling, right? Like you might still find Jesus to be a cool teacher um, with some some good wisdom and some stuff to follow. And I can I just say that seems to happen
1: a lot. You know, I mean, this is very famously Gandhi said, "Your Christ I like; it's your Christians I don't," or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, like, your right. Christians are right. not much like your Christ. Um, yeah. This is it's fairly common for secular humanists uh, or complete atheists to say, "Yeah, but I think some of that Jesus stuff, that'd be pretty good. I don't think he's God. We don't need him to be God for him to be helpful. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. Some of what you're saying there, I think, is is essentially that he doesn't need to be God for him to be helpful.
0: Right. So like permission to plagiarize really is what what we're saying. Right. You don't. If, if you're like I just can't with, with church and all that Ugh, I'm out it's fine you can still claim Jesus if you want um, you know like somebody we rec- we played a recording of somebody asking a question like that recently like can I still be into this Jesus even if I'm not into the church and stuff even if I hate this church stuff yeah, yeah. total yeah. permission
1: and to some extent I think you may find us saying a little bit like I don't know,
0: if you're super we'll into this you.
1: church stuff, uh, you might actually find the <laughs> Jesus stuff conflicting. <laughs> like the if you were yeah. on the other yeah. side of it and you're very, very, very into American evangelicalism or Christian nationalism, you may discover Jesus to be problematic. You may actually say, I want the church, but not the Jesus. And that's, you know, that's what we'd really like to make happen. <laughs> if we could just, <laughs> like, can we keep the name Christian and we'll get you guys a new name? Um <laughs> How about just nationalist? <laughs> like Christian has nothing to do with it. You're just nationalist. You're just racist. Like that's all you are. You just think America is first cuz you don't know any better. And Christ has nothing to do with it. Right. He's not even American, you know.
0: What? <laughs> all right. Well, we got to we got to work on that claim. Um all right, so housekeeping stuff. We're the the way that we're gonna jump into this, I think, is to take first what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Um, this is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters five to seven. Uh, interestingly, it's not really a sermon. I mean, it's portrayed that way. Yeah. Matthew puts it together. Um, if it's a sermon, but it's the a reason terrible. that we. It's yeah, it's if you ever sit down and read <laughs> it, it's all clearly over it. <laughs> nobody delivered this as a it would be the most shotgun y sermon in the world. So, you know, it's a rhetorical device. Matthew takes a whole bunch of the teachings of Jesus and clumps them together into these three chapters, and at the beginning and the end he says, And Jesus walked up on top of this podium and sat down and said said these things. Right. Yeah. Um So it's it's helpful because it's the the place where we get the biggest clump of Jesus's teachings all together. Yep. That's, that's why we're starting with it. Um, we'll see what else, you know, we might, Jesus is a really good storyteller. tells a lot of parables, um, which maybe we'll jump into after right. this or something. I don't know, but I would starting with the Sermon on the Mount. And and I want to add like just a, um, a, a pastor's
1: note, if I can, like, uh, I think I still have that right for at least a little while longer. um, <laughs> This is where to go. Like, you, you will find... I, I would just say this to anyone. You want to know what is the way of Jesus? I would say Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is where you will discover. Now, you'll still find some weird stuff and some stuff. We'll we'll try to address some of it. But everything that you have in all the rest of the Bible um, is supposed to, for, for a Christian, is supposed to bow down to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Like... These teaching these core teachings of Jesus, in my opinion, this is again, this is a, a, a Christian evangelical pastor's point of view. Um, if you have any images that you got from anywhere else in the Bible that seem to contradict anything in Matthew six, five, six and seven, you're supposed to let go of those other things fix or that. find a way, yeah, fix that. That's what Jesus that's what Matthew 5, six and seven, that's what Jesus would tell you to do in there. If you think God is like this, fix that. If you think you're supposed to judge people for this, Matthew 7, fix that. Like if you think any of these, you think you're supposed to take violent actions against people who disagree with you, fix that. that. That is just, again, and if you're not a Christian and you don't want a pastor in your life or need a pastor, that's useless to you completely. But I would just say as a sort of pastor's note here, that's how you're supposed to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I think that's yeah. That's why we're that's why we're starting there. Um, the problem with Matthew five, six, and seven is that if you read it, it's almost impossible <laughs> to like. You know, if somebody hits you. You're supposed to like stand there and let them hit you again. Yeah. Or if somebody steals your stuff, you're supposed to g- just give them more stuff. Not call the police. Like it. <laughs> it makes the police really. Re- it makes it really hard for us to have a police force at all. If nobody's allowed to hit anybody, uh, it makes it really hard for us to have a military at all. Yeah. You know, if we're not allowed to retaliate in violent ways, actually, if you even can't if you take. Think- that if, if you think about retaliating
1: in a violent way, you should be held
0: accountable
1: as though you did retaliate in a violent yeah, way. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly right. You can't take an oath? I mean, how do how do we do courts as a society? How do we have a court system if you can't take an oath? Or get married? Um, <laughs> how, how would you get yeah. married? You, just, you can't take an oath? You can't say? <laughs> that's right. That's right. How can you get married? But you are supposed to stay... like. This is, you know, there's a teaching about divorce and you're only supposed to divorce, Jesus says, if the in the case of adultery. But like, are, so are people supposed to stay in abusive or just loveless marriages because there hasn't been adultery? Or it's or one of them, you know, know even to, like
1: one of them needs to commit
0: adultery first. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um. Even well, but that's also you'd also be breaking the. The Sermon on the Mount to do that. Yeah, he says
1: the only the only way it's okay to get divorced is if somebody commits adultery. Also,
0: nobody's allowed to commit adultery. <laughs> right. Um, like, give no thought to the morrow. He says in, in King James, uh, like, don't worry about what you're gonna wear or what you're gonna eat. Yeah. Don't like, don't do your laundry. Don't <laughs> don't go grocery shopping, because just don't think about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. Yeah and when you pile all this stuff together it's like well who in the world could be a follower of this guy like how could no society could function no individual could could do this what is that all about and i mean is it just it's this impossible ideal um oh, well let me stop let me let me see what you have to say about that and then
1: no i think I have some thoughts yeah you're you're absolutely right on that i'm glad we're kind of starting with that especially after what i just said like if you want to do you want to do the christian thing you want to know what the christian way is you go here to find it out um it needs to be said right after that by the way you can't live by this standard it's absolutely impossible um there there are always going to be decisions to be made there's always going to be Like you got to pick to break one rule to follow the other. Like this is not one of these isn't in the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus does give the example you gave it recently about, you know, if a donkey falls in a well on the Sabbath, what do you do? Um, Well, this is a very typical kind of rabbinical style of question is to sort of say, hey, it's impossible to always follow all of the rules. And Matthew 5, 6 and 7 are And in that instance, Jesus was like, well, you got to pick which rule to break. Do you do you work on the Sabbath or do you let the donkey die? Do you not protect life? Um, another conversation for another day. But I think Matthew five, six and seven is something that sort of forces us to come up with a an an overarching thesis. And then at times sort of address like, well, y- yeah, well, we can't follow all of this all of the time. Uh, What do we do in specific situations? What do we do when we need to get a divorce? What do we do when, uh, you know, what does this say about me if I'm angry with people? Uh, Like Jesus calls me a murderer because I'm angry? Does that mean I'm not a Christian because I get angry with people sometimes? Yeah, I think this is going to make for uh, complicated at times uh, conversation, but also conversation worth having and I don't think it's as much as it's impossible to follow everything here and it absolutely is uh, all the time I also don't think it's impossible for us to arrive at um, some some principles of this or some some character here I guess that's what it like some kind of character that we could kind of look at and say we could literally say well what would jesus do and not necessarily as a way of like helping me you know not commit a sin next it's just literally like i think we can kind of understand what jesus would do in these situations
0: um and and maybe that will be helpful (laughs) so yeah christians have noticed um this problem ever since they started listening to the teachings of Jesus, that this is really hard. And they tried to figure out, like, how do we understand this then? Obviously, we can't do all this in a really literalistic way. So what do we do? And and I think there are some options, some ways that Christians have approached this. Um, I have five of them written down here. Uh, so we just run through them. So, I mean, the first one is, like, well, you could try, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um I think mean, Leo Tolstoy famously did this it, toward the end of his life um said I'm just going to like try to live you know war and peace Leo to- Tolstoy. Um I'm going to try to live the teachings of Jesus just down to the letter. And he knew what that meant. He was like he advocated for um for defunding the police. <laughs> in russia in his day and for defunding the military um because he knew that it meant it turned the other cheek means turn the other cheek um he you know he didn't he got rid of all of his stuff like literally he gave no thought to the morrow said i'll figure it out you know i've got the clothes that i'm wearing today and if i need other clothes at some other point i'll figure it out i've got the food that i'm gonna eat today and if i need other food tomorrow i'll figure it out then um you know i think probably the amish are an attempt to do something like this even though they're not they're not quite as radical even as leo Tol- tolstoy was yeah but you could i mean you could literally say we're just going to do everything that it makes for just like a real shitty life i we're think we're going to try anyways yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well and and um, just
1: as a sidebar to that uh i think jesus did live a consistent consistently like you know i think that's that's one of the things that i the second amendment people who are like you know uh well jesus told them to get swords or whatever like uh, you know we'll we'll get into that we'll talk about that at some point in this wrong long running series about what that was really about but when a sword was drawn when jesus was struck by when he he did not strike back he did offer the other cheek like you you could say all you want like that's not what he meant but when faced with the situation himself that's what he did so Jesus lived a life where he was homeless foxes have dens birds of the air have nests the son of man has no place to rest his head like you really want to follow it literally he just didn't he just didn't have a place to live he also died at the age of 33 for crimes he didn't commit because he was accused (laughs) of crimes he didn't try to defend himself and say I didn't he didn't he just turned the other cheek You asked me to go one mile I'll go two like he actually followed it out and he was murdered for crimes he didn't commit. Um, really and he sent
0: out his disciples telling them, like, just take a fanny pack. Yep. You know, don't take any extra clothes. Depend on the hospitality of strangers. Like, you know, figure this out day to day. Yeah. Uh, so not only did he do it, he had a community of people around him that were also living this. I think I think that is real. Um I don't wanna. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe I can just say, like, I'm I'm probably not a Christian because I'm not interested in yeah. this. <laughs> like, I want to have a little bit of money in the bank. I don't have a lot, but I want I want to have a little bit. Yeah. And I want to have clothes for tomorrow and and all that stuff. Yeah. And so I mean, that's that's a way you can, you can we try can take to it really seriously. Take every piece of this completely literally. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's number one.
1: Um.
0: I'm not gonna do that. And either. then. You know, in the Middle Ages, I think Margaret Kim Peterson, I missed (laughs) it. I just said, I'm not going to do that either. Oh, yeah. Uh, Margaret Kim Peterson talked to us about this when when she was talking about marriage um, and celibacy and stuff. But in in the Middle Ages, Christians started making this distinction. I think I might be getting the words wrong here, but I think between councils and admonitions or something. Anyway, the point was. This really serious Jesus stuff is good for monks and nuns, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's the ideal, yeah. the the really high bar, and it's important to have within the Christian community some group of people who are living up to the really high bar. And then the rest of us schmucks who are just like, well, we can handle the Ten Commandments, and that's <laughs> about as far as it can go, right? Yeah. Um. So that's another way. Yeah, you can you can separate people. Um, This is not a very common way of thinking about it today. Although it Uh, should was in the Middle Ages. This was a this was the way that people thought. Yeah. uh, You have the monks and nuns that do the real stuff, and then you know the rest of us just yeah try to get along. See, I I don't think
1: I'm not saying it should be as in like this is a really good solution. I'm saying this is the way that we should think about it because it's essentially how we do it. (laughs) Yeah, we do essentially have like. There's a clergy class, and as far as we know, they pretty much follow all that stuff. We don't acknowledge that they don't, um, but we're just like they're trying to follow all it. We have monks and nuns and priests and pastors and reverends and whatever, and they we just assume that they're actually trying to do all of it, and the rest of us don't really have to. Um, so even the even the um, the congregant clergy relationship kind of is like a version of this number two. that's yeah a way of of reconciling it is for us to say like those people over there who are really close to God they actually do all of it and we do some of it
0: (laughs) yeah okay so that's we got you can you can just take all of it literally like Leo Tolstoy or the Amish or you can you can separate people Mm -hmm. clergy class laity class Uh, you can also separate time um. Remember, Justin Pearl talked to us about that, J. Libby Pearl, when he was talking about family values, um, that Jesus believed that, you know, and we'll talk about what this means later, I think, somewhere in the series. But Jesus believed that something really dramatic was going to happen in the world soon, that God was going to was going to bring about the end. And then we'll talk about what the end means, you know, the world is it going to burn up or is it like what's going to happen but there's some big dramatic finish to it all uh coming and so the early writings of the new testament weren't very into family values like jesus was not into having a family paul was not into having a family because what's the point of trying to get married and have what's the point of doing your laundry when right Like, the world's going to end on Friday. Right. Like, wear a dirty shirt. Who cares? There
1: is a lot in the Sermon on the Mount. I'll just, you know, I want to hear the other two that you have for this. But there is a whole lot in the Sermon on the Mount that just, that fixes it. That, like, if you read it and you say, if Jesus were here today and we could just say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to be fairly wealthy middle class to upper middle class. I'm probably going to live to be at least 70 or 80 years old. I'm going to, should I, what should I do with some of this? I honestly, honestly, this is going to sound like heresy, but you know, we're a podcast Podcasts are supposed to be heretical for, for everybody else. (laughs) This is how we separate ourselves from others. We'll we'll do the, we'll do the heresy for you. I think Jesus would say, Oh, wait a second. (laughs) You're going to live to be like 80 and then die of old age. Well, you should probably think about the future a little bit. <laughs> like, right? Uh, when I said that, I was literally—I didn't. Maybe Jesus would even say I didn't even know Matthew was going to write that down, and that people thousands <laughs> of years later were going to read it and try to apply. I was talking to people who I knew were going to die really soon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, we wrote we we did an episode months ago called "Don't Buy Any Green Bananas." Yeah. About this, right? Yeah. Like. Jesus and Paul were expecting the imminent end of the world. Right. Uh, and that doesn't, it doesn't fix it exactly. Um, it pushes the ball into our court. Yeah. To say, okay, in this context, Jesus said these things. So how do we now with some reasonable expectation that we'll live to be 80 and that we'll retire from our job or whatever, like, yeah. How do we now put into practice the things that he—in in our context, the things that he said in that
1: context? What's the heart of—yeah, some of David Gushy's work, the, the, the great Christian ethicist, says, you need to stop asking specific questions about specific verses and start asking thematic questions. Yeah. What is the heart of what Jesus is saying here? Because the specifics may not apply to you. The specifics may actually be bad advice— uh, and maybe advice that Jesus probably wouldn't give you uh, if you were if he were standing here today talking to you in your context. He's not. He's talking to extremely, you know, when he says blessed are the poor for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He's talking to really poor people, mostly like he's saying to a group of gathered poor pe- people who come to his shows because they might get a little bit of stale fish and bread. Like <laughs> to say, blessed our poor people. Like he probably just wouldn't say that to us. Um, yeah, this is good. To separate well, time. and uh,
0: another thing that's worth mentioning about that though is if we're gonna take that tack, we also have to admit Jesus was wrong about his eschatology. I will not. <laughs> he was wrong about how quickly the, the end was coming, right?
1: Yeah. I'll take the i'll I'll take the Christian apologist position there and say, um, I have no problem with saying that yeah I, I think he may have just been wrong about it. It seems like every one of his followers also thought something like it when they talk about the world ending, it sounds like they mean the world is going to end. What I will say from a Christian apologist standpoint just to sort of defend that um well, the world as they knew it did end like a lot of what is predicted if you think of it more metaphorically if you think of paul's teachings about the end is coming and then you realize like i don't know months after he said that his head was cut off and (laughs) a whole lot of other people who were following him were also killed and then rome fell to the ground and not a stone was left on it like the whole world as they knew it did actually an apocalypse did happen the apocalypse did not So in the places where they say the apocalypse, the end is coming, yes, they're wrong. Um, But I would just challenge us to consider, like, you know, if if we had prophets running around right now saying uh, the world is coming to an end. And then six months from now, everyone in America uh, was basically, you know, half of us were murdered and the other half were overtaken by the Chinese government and became part of China we wouldn't necessarily look back at the prophets and say they were totally wrong. It was like,
0: well, yeah, that yeah. was an out, that was fair. an
1: apocalypse, not the, apo- that, both sides are right on this. I just wanted to represent both sides. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's, it's totally fair right. to say he was just wrong. Like the world didn't end. It's also totally fair to say, well, the world as they knew it. It doesn't exist anymore. And it didn't exist for much longer after Jesus died.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So you can, um, take, take it all really literally. You can separate people into a clergy class and a laity class. You can separate time into like the end is coming. Um, You can also kind of separate out the world that you live in. Uh, This is what sometimes gets called two kingdoms theology, where you you have sort of a secular sphere and a sacred sphere, right? So in my job, I can be in the military and I can kill people when I need to kill people. Mm-hmm. But in my like that's in the in the secular sphere, but in my life as a disciple of Jesus, well, I have to turn the other cheek. Right. Um so that's another way that people have thought about this. I mean, the real problem with this then is it takes all the teeth out of so this this way of this two kingdoms way is connected to Martin Luther. Um, and it is of course, German Lutherans who watched very happily as the third Reich pulled Jews into gas chambers, um, because that's the secular world. Yeah. You know, that's what's going on in government. And we're just, we're worried about our spirits, right? We're worried about doing, um, so that's a problem. Yeah. And it's an issue. Yeah.
1: It's uh, very obvious the way that happens in our political sphere because you do have you have a ton of people who don't understand the teachings of Jesus uh, whenever they come to whenever it comes to um, violent acts and capital punishment and, you know, using weapons against using weapons to defend yourself and whatever all these different things. And you have a whole lot of other people who are just like, well, you know, politics is politics and I'm a Christian but I'm still going to vote for these things over here that have to be done. And, it, you know, it comes back to some of what we were saying earlier. It's like, Well, yeah, I mean, you kind of have to. Like, you can't, you can't have a police force. You can't have a military. You can't really have a government that follows the teachings of Jesus. Um, the, you do have to do this to some degree. I just think it's a really, uh, it's a cowardly approach. Um, certainly whenever you bring up German Lutherans complicity in the
0: Holocaust like well yeah I mean and it's it's the same thing with um you know evangelical Christianity today not caring about
1: immigrants
2: at you know, the, border. the
0: degradation of the environment not caring about kids in cages not caring not caring about uh you know black people being shot down by the police in the streets because that's like, you know, that's political stuff. We're not we're just not gonna get political. Right. 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 We're gonna we're gonna just worship the Lord. Just um well what Jesus says is political stuff. What Lord <laughs> Yeah. Right. The the Lord who was um you know, assassinated as an enemy of the state. Like is a political dude. He's been political from the beginning and to, to say we're not going to get political about it is already to take a, take a position on yeah. the teachings of Jesus. Yeah, uh, one that might have some problems. And then the last one, so you know, you so take it really literally: separate people into clergy and laity, separate time into like now and the end, separate the world into sacred and secu- secular. And the last one, I think this is kind of what I grew up with. This is also connected with Martin Luther. Uh, Martin Luther talked about some of the teachings of Jesus as, like the Sermon on the Mount in particular, as counsels of despair, right? These are things that Jesus said mostly just to prove that we can't do it, mm-hmm. right? Prove that we're sinners in need of salvation. Uh, you know, the law is there to tell us that we we can't add up. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably mostly what I was taught about yeah. a lot of the teachings of Jesus. It's it it's just there to show us how good, like how far we are from God's ideal, right? How bad we are to prove to prove that
1: atonement theology is correct is necessary. Is yeah. necessary. Yeah, that's that's the same thing I was handed was basically yeah. like, well, you can't do all of that. I and mean, we also didn't. I never never in 20 years now again I know when I say never that's unfair Um, so I'm not going to say I never heard I'm going to say I never remember I don't recall once a sermon from the Sermon on the Mount in any church I was ever like so it wasn't necessarily talked about much but all of it was you know anytime we talked about Jesus and the way Jesus was and the character of Jesus it was basically like he was perfect so we don't have to be He was perfect to show us how imperfect we are and so that we don't have
0: to be. Which, I mean, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, if you just read the stuff, it's weird. Like, it doesn't sound right if it's just trickery. If Jesus is like, I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff to do, but really I don't mean it. I only mean to tell you this to show you what you can't do. It just, like, it, you just read it. It doesn't sound like that's what's happening. Right, right. I don't think it's very fair it also, Which we've already said. To Jesus. It, it,
1: it's also not how those listening interpret it. Yeah. They all turned to the other cheek until their heads right. were cut off. Like, they all right. sold everything they had and gave it to the poor. And, you know, took care of everybody among them. Like, they loved their enemy. They they didn't take it that way. Um. So, to suggest that that's what he was actually teaching is a little, you know, numb to that. Like, we're not exactly paying attention to what really happened and how, you know, Matthew himself, who may have been around and heard some of, like, he compiled these teachings because he heard them. Like, we would assume that he didn't interpret it that way. Yeah.
0: So, that's, I mean, that's it. That's all of that to say. Here comes. This is tricky. Tricky stuff. So here comes the sixth <laughs> we're one. Gonna, we're going to give you the sixth one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to tell you the right way. The right way. All <laughs> oh, these are No, right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's tricky and it's tough to wrestle with. And we're going to try it. <laughs> yeah, See where it lands. Thanks so much
1: for listening. Um, we would love it if you would subscribe. That means the world to us. If you subscribe. Maybe send us a little message on uh, Instagram or Facebook just saying, hey, I finally subscribed today. And uh, we'd also love it if you would share this with somebody. I uh, think that these conversations as they go uh, as they go out and as we get deeper and deeper into the teachings of Jesus are going to make for great, um, you know, great podcast material for sure. It's going to be the best podcast you've ever heard in your life. But also Absolutely. it's going to generate some great conversations you could have with another person. So we really hope that you'll share this with somebody, pass it to somebody, And then pass it to them in a text that also says, uh, "Call me when you finish this, because I want to. I want to talk about how wrong these dudes are on this stuff, and how uh, hilarious and how incredibly handsome I believe they both must be, but I've never seen them. I've only heard their voices.
0: Sexy voices.
1: Sexy voices. All right, roll out the jingle again."
2: is jesus a white guy and does he really hate everyone who is gay does he turn up his nose before he bombs all his foes is he a member of the nra preacher does jesus really care if the poor can't find enough scraps but does he say suck it up son look at how good i've done by just pulling on my designer bootstraps